Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident. Buckwalder Motors in Wellman. You need a reliable family car for your, you or your student, and Buckwalder Motors has your car. McDonald Boneyard in Kyoto for all of your auto and farm machinery recycling needs. Hinshaw Trailer Sales in Richland. They fix what they sell and don't in their full-time repair center. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna and Aaron's dealer. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops present Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, and your host. On today's episode, Grace Davis and David Wagaman of the uh, uh, Theater Museum in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, take us on a great tour. I'm at the Old Thresher's Fairgrounds in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, and just outside the Opera House, the Theater Museum of Repertoire Americana, and uh, I think we need to go inside and check this place out. Grace and David, thank you so much for being on Southeast Iowa today with me, John Bain. It's uh, We did a little tour before we started our podcast, this podcast tour that the folks that are watching are going to see, and it's just an incredible place. And you two, I had to do this first because just hearing some of your background, I want to have our viewers know what qualifies you as such experts because you truly are, because you've lived it. And we'll just kind of start with Grace. We'll go with ladies first. Okay. And just kind of tell us how you got here at the Theater Museum in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Well, okay. Uh, my grandfather and my grandmother, Lou and Alice Henderson, had a tent show. Um, they played um, Minnesota in the summertime, and they played opera houses in the wintertime in Iowa. And he closed the show during the Depression, but he had eight children, my mother being one of them, and my mother was an entertainer. And we were always on the road. We never lived in a town. We traveled all the time. And so on the trips, my mother would tell us stories to keep us entertained about the tent show. So I knew all about tent shows, and I grew up to be an entertainer also. And then um, one of my aunts in the 1980s told me about this museum. And so I f lived in Miami Beach at the time. I flew up here and I met my husband who was the future husband who was the president of the museum, Jimmy Davis. And he owned the last tent show and, uh, in the United States. And uh, it took him a while, he was a slow worker. And it wasn't until 98 that we got married. No, I'm sorry, 90 <laughs> that we got married. And we got married here at the museum and he had a tent show and I traveled with him and I. I worked on the show with him, and when he passed away in 98, uh, I became the uh, vice president, and I moved here, and I've been involved with the museum ever since. Very good. And David? Yes, sir. You, uh, <laughs> we were talking a little bit, and uh, you are actually the guy, the kid, that ran away and joined the circus. That's right. I did. I did. As soon as I was out of high school, I joined the circus. And where were you at? When you left? In Burlington. Okay. Yep. And I, I, I joined the circus to do contortion. And while I was there, they taught me some aerial work. And uh, I rode the elephant in the parades. 
And then I got my call for the draft. Wow. And um, I went to my uh, physical, which in, I was warming up behind the tent one evening or one afternoon for the show, and I hit a, a hole in the ground and broke my ankle. Ow. So they didn't accept me in the military. Oh. So then I came back and I, got, I joined the Schaffner players, and uh, that, I, that was two seasons. And then I joined the Tilton Comedians up in Northern Iowa. And then another one was the Bisbee Comedians down in Kentucky, Tennessee. And I did that for about five years. And then I went to New York and I joined this agency who directed musical reviews for women's organizations as a fundraiser. Interesting. I did that for, I don't know how many years. All over the country. And all over the country. And I had people in the shows like Tony Bennett, um, uh, what was his name? The, the movie actor that his dad was in the show. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Help, <laughs> please. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Clooney. George oh. Clooney's father was okay. in the show. And um, oh, there was a comedian too somewhere along the way. But anyway, I did that for several years and then I got tired of that. And I went out to Hollywood and I got to join Screen Actors Guild and I worked in several movies and television shows with people like Anthony Hopkins, Dustin Hoffman, Susan Sarandon, Jake Gyllenhaal. And um, so that was it. And then I came back here and now I'm with the museum. That's incredible. Well, you both have fascinating tales that I would like to delve in later, but on this episode today, we're going to go ahead and look at the museum and have you guys tour around. So we'll stop this portion of the segment and pick up on the tour. David, we're right here in the lobby of the Theater Museum, and tell us what we've got going on here on display. Well, at the beginning of the tent shows, they did Broadway plays, and these are some of the posters of the Broadway plays. Um, and, and, you know, these are quite old, very, very old. Yeah. And I like this one here for many reasons, but... Um, and, and, and as you can see, and, and we have so many of them, we, we don't have enough frames to uh, put them all out. Sure. But then uh, also, this other one over here is from Uncle Tom's Cabin. And everybody worked in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Every show had, had it. And uh, this is a picture of little Eva. She's passed away, and she's on her way to heaven with the angels taking her. Wow. Isn't that nice? Yes. It's in very good shape. Yeah, and how old would that... Oh, um, I don't know when the play was written or when it first came out. It may have... No, I won't tell you. I don't know. It's, it's really old. Yeah. Way early 1900s. Artwork was incredible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So... So... Um... Kind of give the the uh, viewers an idea, a little bit of history of what a tent show is. Well, a tent show is where it's a portable theater, portable legitimate theater. And uh, it has the stage, it has the curtains, the proscenium and everything. And um, you would, you would go, when you joined one of the shows, you'd be there for two weeks and you'd rehearse five plays and get up in the five plays. Wow. You would open, and then you would work two more plays as you're traveling around. Okay. And it, it, it's a hard life, but you know what? 
a lot of people got their start on tent shows. Now, we were talking a little bit ago, and I think uh, some contemporary or in recent history actors and actresses that we can mention that started in tent shows. I know there was Ann B. Davis, who a lot of folks would remember her as Alice from the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Then there was some guy called Clark Gable. <laughs> some guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that went and did incredible movies. Um, and, and, and there were others, too. Oh, many, many others. Um, oh, the big guy did a lot of weird movies. Um, oh, John Boris... Karloff. Boris Karloff. He was one of them. And, uh, John Carradine. And then yeah, so there's a lot of them. John Carradine is mm -hmm. uh, patriarch of a long list of actors. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. Well, let's go um, and start looking at the museum. Okay, let's do it. Cool. This is some of the opera houses here in Iowa. Um, and as you can see, the opera house here in this town is on the second level of the building. And over here, there's the double doors that they can go in up, up the stairs and get to the opera house. And this is the other opera house, which is a full standing opera house with the balconies. And a lot of people. A lot, oh yes. And these were all from Iowa? These are from Iowa, yes. Okay, and this one that I'm on right now is from the Bijou Theater, and that's from uh, 1910 is what the right. photograph is from. Right. Incredible. And you have chairs here. Now, this chair is from Philadelphia, Missouri. Um, and see how narrow and close to the floor it is. Yeah. Yeah. And this one is from <laughs> uh, Shelbina, Shelbina, Missouri. Okay. And what's interesting here is that this seat has a hat rack under it. It sure does, with a hat. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, and even ladies back then that wore a lot of hats. Yes. You now know where they put them. Yeah. You want to tell about the ghost light? Well, this is actually one of our newest exhibits. Um, they had ghost lights in the opera houses and the theaters, and they still do to this day. It's a tradition, one. Uh, and it goes back before electricity when they had gas lights. Okay. And one thing is it's kind of a tradition because it, it lights up the stage. Maybe some people say to keep the ghosts away, and other people say it's so when the ghosts of the old actors come back, they have a light that they can work to. Interesting. Um, basically what it is is once they turn off all the lights after the show it's very dark and you don't want the cleaning lady to fall off the edge of the stage and that doesn't sound as cool as all the ghost <laughs> <No>. lights <laughs> and actually all you showbiz folks have to jazz it up don't yeah, you, you have yeah. to, but actually it's a rule that you have to have a light on the stage now when we went to do this i looked on the internet and they cost like 500 bucks if you buy them you can buy them from lighting companies in new york but this we, we made ourselves, and they were most they weren't fancy, they weren't anything. They were just a, a work light on the stage. Gotcha. But and maybe, it's a ghost light. And maybe they called them a ghost light because if you didn't use it, you'd trip and you'd end you'd up be being a ghost. a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's for the, the, the after everything is over, the ghosts come out. Ah. And this is this is for them. That is neat. Well, what do we have over here? This is the actress glass. Actress glass now. Before uh, we first kind of walked around, I had never heard of actress glass. So tell the viewers about it. Well, it's a, a glass that they used for publicity, I think. 
Souvenir. Uh, a souvenir of a publicity thing, yes. And each piece of glass has the bust of the actress. And you can tell it's the original because every piece has a seashell on it. In, up in the corners. Up in the corners, on the lids, on the pore spouts. So give us some names of, of a couple of these actresses. Well, you have um, Maggie Mitchell and, well, gosh. And then there's Kate a, Claxton. She was a big, and these were actresses because these glasses came out in the 1878. So these were people from the uh, 17, 18, 1870s, 1880s, 1890s. Uh, we don't know very much about this um, company that uh, did them. In fact, there's a debate about which glass company actually made them, so there's not a lot of information. It's cheap glass. It's just uh, press glass. It's not anything expensive. We don't know where they would have bought them, if they were for sale in the lobby or if you went to the department store or the drugstore and they'd have a display. But you could get these of your favorite actresses. And they were always actresses. There's only one that has men on them. And I think where are they? these here? It was a comedy team and it has actors on them. But the rest were women. Okay. And they had, you know, all sets, pickled dishes. But this one does not have the seashell on it. Uh, now, okay. now well, I have seen this in, in an antique magazine, so okay. apparently it, it is. Now, on these, on these uh, actress or theatrical glass, these women that were on it were the, the uh, Meryl Streep's and Julia Roberts of today. Yes, yes. They were, even if uh, you never saw them, you had heard of them. Yeah. They were in the magazines, they were in the newspaper articles. They did all the uh, most important plays in New York. They were famous. Now, there might be a couple people, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of funning with my audience. you got to remember, folks, in the 1800s, they didn't have the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you're watching this, this, uh, this podcast. But they had magazines. Yeah. And they would have been in the magazines. It was a totally different world back then. Oh, but yes. But it's still a lot of similarities today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Everything old is new again. Yeah. <laughs> Everything new is old or whatever. Very good. Well, this is something else that I can jump around a little uh -huh. bit. Sure. Uh, when you joined a tent show, there was only one full script, and that was for the manager or the director. Mm -hmm. And the others, all the parts were separate. And on each page, it had the last four words of the line before your line. Oh, so you better be paying attention. Well, you have to listen. Yeah which is a lost art today, but anyway. So you would read this page over about five times and they say, you've got it. So you would turn it over and you would write those four words on that back page, back of that page, and try to do those lines just from the cue line. Wow. We have, now, we have an now, example in our- Now, today, Hollywood still uses that same method. Really? Yeah, you get your part. You don't get the whole script. Interesting. And we have a script uh, trunk. We'll show you an example of that. So that's, that's incredible. That's neat. You just have to pray that the actor you're working with gives you the right cue. Yeah, and is it? <laughs> yeah, because some of these actors, uh, they're kind of known for changing the script a little mm -hmm. bit. Or forgetting or just flopping. Yeah. And, you know, if you went into rehearsal, you wouldn't even know what the play was about because you hadn't read the whole script. 
And if the actor that uh, changes the script a little bit, he's the headliner, he gets away with it, and yeah. you just got to be ready for anything. Yeah, you have to be on your toes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of on our toes, when folks would come to a theater or an opera house, they would see something like this. Just and when they way. got off their toes, yeah. sat down in a chair, what are we showing the folks right now? This, I call it the commercial. Okay. This is what you would see while you're waiting for the show. This would be the first curtain in front. And you would buy this, um, excuse me, mm -hmm. you could order this from a, a company who would make the scenery. And you would get it like this with all those little panels. So a, so a salesperson might go to a local business with a mm -hmm. picture like this and say, I can sell you number five for X mm -hmm. amount of dollars mm -hmm. and it'll be on there for the season. Yes, exactly. Neat. And you would get a local, you get a local painter to come in and paint all the ads. Now, do you know where this one is from? This is from Blakesburg, Iowa, which is near to Ottumwa, a small town. And as you see, a lot of the businesses are from Ottumwa. There. Oh, yeah. And they have the Blakesburg Savings Bank, which has a capital of 20000 mm -hmm. And we're lucky with this one because the guy who painted this signed it and dated it 1905. 1905. Now, if you look at that, that painting in the middle, it is not really that great. But my aunt went to the National Art Gallery in Washington, D.C., and she saw that same painting. Huh. So we figured that painting must have been in uh, the culture at the time. It was familiar to people. Sure. So this guy copied it. Well, I don't know if it's art, but I like it. <laughs> there you go. You know what you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, if, so this is what you would see while you're waiting for the show to start listening to the overture if they had one. Now, if you had an opera house or a theater, you would need at least four basic curtains and you could use them in any combination and you could do just about any play. You need what they call back room, front room, timber, and town. And we have those four examples. Okay. So this is the front room. This one is special because it has an opening in the middle and it's called a center door fancy. Ah. And I have seen scripts where the script is uh, describes the uh, set and then say they need a center door fancy. Now, with, and, the, with this living room or center, with um, the, the swank look that it has, is this from 1905 as well? We don't know. You don't know? No, okay. we don't know, but I would say probably around that time. Okay. And this could be, you know, a ballroom or a hotel lobby or castle, anything right. like that. So, you've got your uh, front room. Now, back room which is the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. That's your poor cabin, poor widow's cabin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's front room, back room, and now we have the timber. So this would be where the... Uh, the plotting or the scheming might go on away from the, uh, yeah, the homes. Yeah, out hunting or running away from home or something. It could be two lovers on a walk. It could yeah, be, exactly. Yeah. And it has a stream in it because...
because most of, you know, in case the play had uh, something about water, you know, if they gone fishing, so most of them had a little bit of water on them. And with your lighting, you can emphasize the trees or you can emphasize the mountains in the back. Right. Part of the script. Uh, you could do that with your lighting. And that is the town. Wow. Now, this is a really nice one. It is not from Blakesburg. I can't think of where it is from offhand, but it is signed. Unfortunately, it's not dated. And we have a lady come here that restores curtains. She's from New England, from Rhode Island, actually. And she looked at our curtains, and she told us that we didn't know <coughs> that all these town scenes have some greenery. As you can see, there's trees there and trees mm -hmm. there. And all the shadows come from that side. Interesting. And we looked at other curtains we have downstairs uh, like this, and they all are like that. That's amazing. So you, and as you said earlier, you these backdrops would be for several different plays. Yes, you could use them in any different way, any combination. Yeah, for it's sure. just it's just amazing uh, the talent that went into this, and and some of the things you know, like the sponsorships and things like that, carry on today. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah, they're yeah. just a different way to do a commercial. But if you look at this, this is beautifully done. It is. It's incredible. Yeah. I want to kind of get a little. And everything. Yeah. Down there at the, the courthouse mm -hmm. or the Capitol, it could be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like right now, folks, it's like we're right there on that street, aren't we? And you can see that um, he has all these little dashes in the window. And when you're back, it looks like there's... Stuff in the windows. Yes. The dry goods store, the cigar store. It's amazing. What? And there's even a little, uh, 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 would that be a wagon or a... It looks like a, a handsome cab, right? A ca yeah, a cab. That's mm -hmm. what I meant to say. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Let's, let's move on to another segment. Okay. Grace, what do we have here on the wall? Well, these are two original posters or lithographs. Um, they are done by a gentleman called Muka. He was the um, mover and shaker in the Art Nouveau movement. And he was from Czechoslovakia, but he worked in Paris. He did a lot of commercial paintings, or lithographs, and he made this one for Sarah Bernhardt, which she was one of the most famous actresses of her age in Paris. Everybody knew her. She did many tours here in America, and this is from her 1906 tour. And he made this, and you see across the bottom, it says American Tour. It's just beautiful. It's, and we just had it restored. It had been very wrinkled, and we had a new backing put on it. Uh, a company in Chicago did it for us, as he did this other one over here, too. Yeah, it's beautiful, the coloring and, the, and the, everything. It's just gorgeous. Every time you look at it, you see something different which is is typical art nouveau can you tell us a little bit about sarah bernhardt sarah bernhardt um started i think in the 1860s in paris and she was like not just an actress she was a celebrity okay okay so big celebrity she came to america several times to do a tour uh when she first came she brought her own company from france and when they toured all over america she did not speak english they did all their plays in French. Wow. 
and she would sell a pamphlet that had the, uh, the play in it, and one side would be the play in English, the other page would be in French. So you could follow along. That's interesting. And of course, when you were in larger cities, a lot of educated people spoke French anyway. Mm -hmm. But Madame liked money. And Madame found out that if she came to America by herself and then hired American actors, it would be a lot cheaper and a lot easier. So, but they would do the, their parts in English and she would do her parts in French. Well, she's the star. Yes, well, yeah. And, <laughs> but it went over because yeah. she had such a great reputation. Everybody, and you know, in America in those days before the turn of the century, the turn of the century, that era, Americans wanted culture. Yeah. They wanted to know what the Europeans knew. They wanted that. So they, they went in droves to see her. Now, they, on this tour, she ran in some trouble because all the big theaters, the first-rate theaters, were controlled by a company in New York. If you owned that theater and you wanted her company of players to come to your theater, you had to pay them some extra money. If you wanted to play, if you were her and you wanted to play that theater, you had to pay them a percentage also. And a lot of the stars were trying to break that. She refused to do it. She was playing in roller rinks, because everybody went roller skating those days. They had wow. these roller skating rinks. And when she got to Texas, she got this big tent and she loved it. And her uh, producers, the, the uh, um, Schubert's, it was when they first started out, the Schubert Alley in New York, Schubert okay. Theaters. They said Madame couldn't speak English, but Madame could count in English. And they had to pay her gold coin every night after the performance. Wow. And she liked the tent because she could get a lot of people, 2,000 people in the tent. So she liked that. And how much do you think people paid for admission back then? Um, you know, uh, bad seat, $75, $1.25. So she yeah. she did pretty good. And, you know, maybe five dollars for a front row. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, they finally made a deal, and she got into the big theaters, and that tent, she sent to Chicago, and they had a big benefit for the survivors of the San Francisco earthquake, and I have an eight by ten photo of that, and then the tent she donated it to San Francisco, and it was the first. Uh, it was used as their first theater after the earthquake until they could build a, a theater. Wow. Yeah. So, very nice lady, too. Yeah, she did yeah. good. She yeah. did good. Yeah. And who do we have here? Now, this is an American lady, Mrs. Leslie Carter. She was a society lady from Chicago, and she was stage struck. And her husband didn't want her to go on the stage, so they got a divorce, and it was a big scandal all over America because they were kind of well-known, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, they got divorced and she went to New York and she did go on the stage. She had flaming red hair and she did some success. But her name was actually Caroline. Uh, Leslie was her husband's name. Interesting. But she always billed herself after the divorce as Mrs. Leslie Carter. And I think it's one to, to, to work on the notoriety from her divorce. And also I think it was to like, give it a little bit to her ex-husband. Kind of keep Leslie Carter in check. Yeah, and yeah. drag his name through the theater, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that terrible, terrible theater yeah. world, you know? And she actually did some movies in the early uh, 30s and all that. Wow. So she was she was well-known, but she wasn't that great an actress, but she did do some stuff, uh -huh. yeah. Well, so. thank you for showing this to Yeah, yeah.
Grace and David. We've got some other posters right here. Can you tell us about them? Well, these are some posters that we've had in storage and they were in bad shape. And when I got those Sarah Bernhardt and Mrs. Leslie Carter done after that, and they came out so beautiful that we had these done. Uh, this is J.S. Angel. He had a big show. In fact, he had like two or three shows out on the road in the 20s and before and after. And he was- And this would be the 1920s book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's a hundred years old. Yeah. And then this is Mr. Schaffner. Um, this is his from the 1920s. And she, he originally worked for the J.S. Angel. Okay. And then he opened his own show. And we got these done from a company in, he does posters in uh, Chicago. And they were like eight, 900 at least to get them redone. Wow. And they had to put all new linen backing on them. And they were all wrinkled and they had tears in them and stuff. And he restored them. And so now they'll last another hundred years. Now, uh, besides being Iowa's favorite comedian, mm -hmm. what else is Neil E. Schaffner known for? Well, Mr. Schaffner, um, he was an entertainer. He was from Fort Dodge, okay. Iowa. And he started as a child shoveling coal in the opera house. Interesting. And he worked up from there. And he did many things. He had a uh, comedic act with another guy, and they worked the Palace Vaudeville Theater in New York, which was a very big thing. He worked on showboats. He worked on many things. And then he was on the J.S. Angel show. Now, a lot of people don't realize that these shows were equity, which was the theater union, which is still strong today. You know, in New York, you have to be an equity actor to be in, on the stage. So the equity came out and unionized all the tent shows. Now, Mr. Angel said, no, I'm not joining. I'm not going to join. So they told Mr. Schaffner, who was already a member, either you quit the show or you're out of the union. So he quit the show. And at that time, he and his wife, Caroline, found a show for sale. They bought it. And that's how he started the Schaffner Players. And the Schaffners are the ones who built this life, this museum. Nice. Mm -hmm. So if we go beyond your back here and where David's standing, we see a replica of a tent mm -hmm. that the Schaffner players would have been in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can okay. you tell us about that? Yes. This, the tent is um, in several different pieces. And this one is five pieces. And it's all laced together. And uh, this is called a push pole tent because you have to get under and push the pole up. Um, and this would seat, I think it was 1,500. Yeah. And, wow. And uh, the difference between this tent and a circus tent is that this is the circus is round on both ends. Okay. But this one has the dramatic end, which is square for the stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the nice things about this, or the fun thing, is that when we would come into a town, they, the, all these kids would be there wanting to help set it up. And so we would pull this tent out of the bags and stretch them out on the ground and teach them how to lace the top together. And there's five pieces on this one to lace together. Now I have to interrupt. When you say we, you're talking from personal experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, one of the things about these, this tent is you see, there's nothing open and the, where the pole comes through here. Mm -hmm. If it rained, a little bit of water gets in there. Okay. But with um, 
with the way the tent is, it's just the water just runs off and okay. goes where it should go. And there's a picture of the inside of the tent. That's Mrs. Schaffner sitting <coughs> on the uh, edge of the couch. This is, I believe, from 90, 1949. And we had the lady who runs the uh, museum in Centerville, Iowa in here, and she looked at it and she said that picture was taken in Centerville, Iowa. I'll be darned. So we made a copy and sent it to her and she blew it up and has it on display in Centerville. That is incredible. Yeah. And you can see I'm showing the audience right now, even the mm -hmm. sponsor, uh, the sponsors up there. Yes, and the, so the other one had, you had the, the curtain. curtain with the ads, and you would go into the town and you would go around to the different companies and it would be like two dollars for the week and they would have a sign paint they had one of the actors usually could make this paint the signs and they're just put on paper and then you just pin it up over the stage very neat mm -hmm. very neat well thank you for showing us that let's move on to another section so like. right now we're outside of a tent and replica even have grass, even have grass. <laughs> and it's great on your feet Let's go into the main entrance. Come Give us a in. tour. Right this way. Yeah. Step right up, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, during one of the intermissions, they would sell candy while you were sitting in your seats. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, as you can see in this photograph, he would come out with this tray full of boxes of candy and usually taffy, something like that. Mm -hmm. And some of them would have a coupon and if you got a coupon, you'd go to the little stage. It was on next to the main stage, and they had prizes on there, and, this, and you could nice get a prize. Lady, yes, nice lady would give a prize. Yes, you'd hand her the coupon, and she'd give you the prize. And all of these things in this display cases are prizes that people won during the years, and they gave it back to us when they heard about wow. the museum. Well, those are very nice prizes, including the tea sets. Wow. And that is a diamond ring that was a, uh, it wasn't, a, what, what do you call it? Not a cubic zirconia? No, I mean, it's a diamond, but it wasn't a prize from the candy. It was a drawing. Oh, okay. And you had to be there every night, and at the last night they'd have, and a lady had that for very many years and wore it all the time. Wow. And she gave, her daughter gave us the ring. That is really neat. Mm -hmm. Well, so... Um, when we're inside, this kind of gives an idea. We've got chairs set up, and there'd be 1,500 chairs. Yes, and bleachers <laughs> around the back. And, okay, and then uh, the stage is up there in the front. Uh, these chairs here are original. Mr. Shafter brought these chairs from a circus, Hagenbeck Wallace Circus, about 1934. Wow. And they were on the show from 1934 until 1997. Wow. And they were used every summer. And you see, they held up pretty good. They did. Uh, I don't know if we have chairs that are made today that would hold up that long. They soar if you sit on them too. Uh, I well, bet so. They're, they're soft pine wood chairs. There you go. There you go. And you can see we have photographs of people lined up to go to, to buy tickets, uh -huh. and they'll be standing there with a cushion. Cause oh, they knew. <laughs> they knew. Yeah. Smart. Smart. Wow. Well, there's so, so much in here. Now, um, between the acts of the place, they mm -hmm. would do specialty acts to keep okay. people entertained. Um, all kinds of uh, entertainment. Ventriloquists, dancers, singers, musicians. They did magic. My grandfather, he would come out and paint a picture. I'll show that to you. Wow. 
This is my grandfather's painting. He would paint that upside down. He what? Up, he wasn't upside down. The painting was upside okay. down. So he'd paint it and then he'd turn it over and there's that. Your grandfather was quite a talented man. He was very talented yeah. man. He did uh, acrobatics and juggling. And he eventually, when he closed the tent show during the Depression, he went into the circus business. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And here's some... And this lady here, um, she grew up on a tent show. It's, uh, and her dad, Lawrence... Um, can't, things won't come up to my mind. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the show that she, her dad had... Uh, Red Skelton started on. Really? Yes. Wow. So, folks, yeah. if if there's somebody that uh, listening or watching this right now and doesn't know who Red Skelton is, hang up. <laughs> <laughs> or Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his shows are on on YouTube. Watch it. They're yeah. still funny. He, he's, he's he's timeless. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I knew them, and I had a crush on her husband because he had a mustache. <laughs> when, I, when I was a little girl, I liked mustaches, ah, I guess. So you're probably a fan of Cesar Romero. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And William Powell and Clark Gable. There you go. <laughs> Whoever. There you go. <laughs> this is wonderful. Show me some more here. We, I know you've got some neat things over here. Um, one of the things I want to see is this accordion. Because... People know what accordions are, but I don't know if they've seen one like this, David. This is a player accordion, and it works just like a player piano. Only the only difference is you just have to squeeze the box back and forth. I'll be darned. And there's a lever on the outside here that you can put it on play or on rewind. Okay. And these are extra rolls, and there's some rolls in. And you don't have a rewind on... Uh, on uh, the videotapes anymore because no. it's all CDs and DVDs. <laughs> yeah. But I found this ad for it in the 30s. I don't think it ever caught on very well because we've never heard of anybody else having it. Yeah. But yeah. That's... Well, this was this was um, Iris Hollingsworth. Yeah, Jinx. It was Jinx Hollingsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the bands were very important on a show because, of course, this was before recorded music. Yeah. And um, let's see. They would have a concert band that would go and play in the park on, like, the first day and then march to the lot. And then, of course, they had to have a band play the show. Sure. And, and these are some... This is a band off of off one show. The, Biz, uh, the, the Bisbees. The Bisbees. The Bisbees. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend named Bill Bisbee. My cat's named Bisbee. There you go. <laughs> Neat. And this is... Um, Interesting artwork on the, the drum. I know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this, this horn here belongs to a lady, uh, her husband. She had her own tent show, Hyla Morgan. That was her husband's show. I'll be darned. Now, is that a trumpet or a cornet? It's a trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the saxophone here belonged to the guy that owned that marimba. Huh. And probably the clarinet also, right? Yeah, I was just thinking that, yeah. I'll be darned. He played and, both the saxophone and clarinet at the same time. Man. And this uh, is called a tom, tom thumb piano because it's short and octave on each end. To make it easier to move around and travel with, I guess. That's a 66 key piano. 66 instead of 88. Yeah, and it weighs a ton. Does it really? Yeah, I've moved it myself. Oh. Well, you must have had your Wheaties there. I did. Well, you just push it with your hips. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And this this shows you what the 
the stage would look like. The stage was a little bit higher than here, about this high. And a lot wider. A lot wider. It's, yeah. yeah, real wide. Mm -hmm. And they would have this kind of uh, masking, they call this masking, across the stage. Nice. And it's, um, this is how it works underneath. Jackson stringers. These Jackson are the jacks. And you can you can adjust these jacks any way. If the, if one side is is lower, the ground is lower on one side than the other, you can move these. I'll be and darn. then you just put these pieces of wood through there, and then the stage, as you lay the stage on top of it, and they're just interlocking pieces. I'll be darn. This wide cleats. Mm -hmm. Okay. They just interlock. Very cool. Now this is the uh, marimba that you were. Referring to earlier? Yes, this is um, uh, Goldie and Ermin Gray, and they played. This is Brazilian uh, Redwood. Oh, it has wow. a beautiful sound. Unfortunately, I don't play. But it's a lovely sound. If anybody yeah. plays it, you're welcome to come and play. We'd love to have it played. Musical instruments. Well, you know, for, for you not to... Uh, you know, being an expert on it, it sounded pretty darn good. That's because <laughs> I think you can attribute that to the Brazilian Redwood. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about this. So they played, uh, he and his wife, that's their son, but Bill Gray, but he and his wife, Ermin and Goldie, they played together and they both would have two mallets and they would play together. And my husband owned the show at the time. And he said they were on the stage, and that's our, that's our original curtain there, that that blue curtain. Oh, nice. And it's a crush curtain that goes up. Okay. Up, you know. It's like a velvet or something. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. So it was, they were on the stage, and it was a windy day. So my husband introduces them. The curtain goes up. The wind pulls, pushes the curtain back, pulls huh? the curtain back. It gets caught on these keys, it pulls all the keys off, goes up, and all the keys fall on the floor. Oh, my gosh. And my husband said he almost fell off the piano because it was so funny because they're standing like this, waiting to start playing. He said for a minute, they're both just like frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But being troopers, they put the curtain down, they put the keys back on, and they did their act. The show must go on. The show has to go on, no That's matter right. what. Very nice. My husband said it was the funniest thing to have seen their faces. Oh, I bet so. Yeah. And what year would that have been? It would have, well, my, if my husband was there, it would have been in the 60s. 1960s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mid 60s, I would think. Yeah. Very cool. David, what's next? This, this picture here of the audience, this shows you how much they enjoyed the show. Oh, yeah, they're laughing. And, and what's interesting to me is look how well dressed they are. Oh, look at this dude. Oh, yeah, he's got a suit on. Yeah, he has men holes instead of socks. Oh. He's got his little stokey. Yeah. But what's really nice is all the different ages all together. Well, and I mm -hmm. see, too, that there's three brothers here. This one, this one, and right there. That could, could very well be. Yeah, I think they're brothers. Yeah. Boy, that is really cool. Now, I had a lady come in one time, and she said when she was a girl, she'd have the whole week, because they stayed for a week, and they did a different play every night. And she said she had it planned. One day she would come with her girlfriends, and she'd come with her cousins, and then she'd come with her parents, and then next night it would be her, her grandparents, and then it would be a boyfriend. So she had the whole week planned yeah, out. That is something. And I always look at this girl. I always thought this girl was saying, 
oh, this is kind of lame. Yeah. But then somebody said, no, she's saying, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and I think that's it. That like could be it. Man, he yeah. probably had a mustache. Oh, <laughs> if you're like me, you would. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is from a show that was in Missouri. This was done in Missouri in the mid-50s. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you, that's what that's what folks looked like and dressed like in the 1950s and I bet I bet these younger people are still alive and they they'd recognize themselves and yeah wouldn't that be something wouldn't that be, yeah. I, they'd be amazed wouldn't they yeah mm -hmm. All right. they would. well let's well let, actually we have a picture of the kids putting up the tent helping to put up the tent and a guy came up to me so that's me in that picture well we're gonna have to go let's go look at that next Oh, you got, oh, before we do that, what do you got, David? This is a full script, and uh, there was only one script. Carrots. Uh -huh. And it, this would be the director or the owner of the show who's ever directing. Uh -huh. And when you would join, you would get your part. This would be the part. And it shows you there's only four words of the line before your line. And they say that if you read this page over five times, uh -huh. you will have that memorized. So you gotta just remember, figure out who's gonna say would lose yeah. your mo lose you money. Yes, that's right. And then you turn the, this over and you write your cue words up here. And there they are. And you try to do this page. That's how you learn it. That's yeah. how you learn it. Now, is that easy? Or is it very hard? How? How no, would you? Really, it's, it's, it, it, it works. Is it what works. Say. Okay. <laughs> and it still works today in Hollywood. Really? Yes. That's how it's done. To even so, that way, when you know there's a big blockbuster movie coming out, and they interview one of the actors, and they they're truly telling you the truth, they may not know what the whole movie's about. Right. Yeah. Until they rehearse it. Okay. Well, if, but if they're not in those scenes, they still wouldn't know what. Well. In a play, you would, but in a movie, you know, you know, you know, in general sense, what the the movie is, but you may not know. You may not know who killed him. Yeah, All right. <laughs> who shot Jr. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I'm saying they, they still use this today in Hollywood. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. That is because uh, when I was with Anthony Hopkins, he turned to somebody and said, "Give him my script," mm. and that's the way it was. Yeah. Wow. And what was that feature that you were in? Well, it was called Slipstream. Slipstream. And this is a, a, a script that he wrote. Anthony Hopkins wrote it. Oh, okay. And he wrote the music for the show, and he starred in it, and he directed it, and he did the whole thing. So if people go on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, they could probably f find it on oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. There. That's awesome. Yeah, he had a good time with uh, that, didn't you? Oh, Anthony was a great person wonderful man i'll never forget him uh, you know i've heard i've seen interviews with him and i've seen other people talk about him they they say the same thing that mm -hmm. you do mm -hmm. what what made what made what did he do that made you feel that way well first of all we were filming out in the desert in palmdale california hotter hmm. than hot and he made sure everybody had some kind of cooling down that he made that him his job and he uh, they couldn't use the air conditioning when they were filming because it would rumble and make noise and have and noise on the film and so they had turned it off but um you know one day he was he was really hot and and so forth and night there was a, a a nurse on on the lot and i said get an ice bucket some water and a towel and bring it to me and he did 
So I put it around Anthony's neck, oh. and he said, oh my God, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you were a hero that day. I was, I yeah. was a hero that day, but yeah. yeah. But he treated everybody with respect, oh, right? Oh, he did, he did, he really did. And everybody loved it. In fact, there was a lot of people, a lot of cast members that were working on that show because it was Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Otherwise, they may not want to be in the desert. Well, I'm sure they did. Right. <laughs> but it's a little more tolerable because it was for Anthony Hopkins. Yes, yeah. That's amazing. It was great. It was a great experience, and I'm glad I had it. Well, thanks for sharing that yeah. with us. All right. So, Grace, we've got an interesting picture over here. Show us what we've got going on. Well, this illustrates how you set the tent up, the, 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 uh, the steps. Okay. You know, those are trucks full of tents and all this stuff, and you pull out the bags full of the sections. Then you lay them out, mm -hmm. and you have to unfold them. Now, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Who's that? big strapping young lad right well, out there. Well, one day I was here uh, and a young man was, well, an older man was here and he says, and he's so excited. He says, you see that? That's me. That's me. I was there. I did that. That so, was him uh, wow. helping out. And the kids would come and do that and then they'd get a uh, pass to, to see the show for and free. And so do you recall where this was at, where this tent was being um, set up? I don't know. Uh, this is, Paris, that picture I know for sure is Paris. So that uh -huh. could be Paris, Iowa. No, Missouri. Paris, Missouri. Paris, Missouri. Yeah. So the gentleman that was from here. Well, no, he or, just was, he was visiting. He was, he was here visit for old trashers. Okay. And he, he was coming to the But he recognized himself. Yeah, he recognized himself. He was so excited. That is and see, then, then, like uh, David had said, they'd show him how to lace those together, the sections together. So, so the theater, the tent theater owners must have read Tom Sawyer. Because <laughs> they got the town, know, kids, the town kids the town kids to see help them do their is, work. Yeah. Whitewash the fence for them. Old, 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 old tradition. Yeah. That goes way back. And, and I'm sure the, the kid the town kids probably just look forward to that. They were standing on the lot waiting for the trucks to come in. Yeah. And that was a big thing. That's and incredible. Then you put up the stakes and tie off the, the lines and put the poles up and then you have to push tent up with those poles you need a lot of bodies for that yeah. of course none of this you could do today you couldn't have kids doing that today no. but then who cared if the kid got hurt you put him a band-aid and they were happy look I yeah got, that's what i was putting up the tent and i got hurt. well they're you know back then uh, they developed their immune systems ate yeah. some dirt and went on yeah exactly this is an exhibit i'm sorry you want to say something yeah <clears throat> on the tilton show mm -hmm. um I was one of the three guys driving the stakes. Okay. And the stake was like this one over here with the gear on it. Oh, right there. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a stake like that. That's pretty big. Yeah. And so with we, you know, the three of us that were doing this, and I don't know who it was, but somebody hit that thing, and a piece of that metal came and hit me here right in the oh. neck. Oh. Oh wow. And I thought, oh. Well, God. My brother ran over and he picked that out, oh. and uh, everything was fine. But it could have been a lot worse. Oh if yeah, gone there. Oh yeah. But you just rubbed some dirt on and kept yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> or, or sweat a little bit. Yeah. More. yeah. <laughs> wow. This is this is an illustration of how they traveled. Of course, first in wagons. Uh huh. Then, as I said, they well, I told you before, they had trains by train, yes. and then when the roads got better and cars and trucks got better. They got trucks. 
This is my grandfather's show, Lou Henderson Players. That was my grandfather. And he raised, he and my grandmother raised eight children on that show. Wow. Now, this is a different kind of tent. This tent, you put the poles up first with the ropes on them. Okay. And there's a pulley system. Then you put the uh, canvas and tie the canvas around here, and you pull it up. I'll tell you what. You two are just walking encyclopedias. But one thing about It's incredible. This, I had an aunt, <laughs> my second oldest aunt of the eight kids, and she was always tiny. When she was six, people thought she was three. Oh. She would climb up this pole, and there's a little hole there, and she could wiggle through, and then she would slide down the top. <laughs> and she would do that till my grandmother caught her, and she would stop her. Then your that was her great thing. Then grandma says, we need to put her in the show. Oh, she was in oh. the show. Oh, they were all in the show. She was an acrobat. Wow. Oh, yeah. I have a picture that I really should put on display of my grandfather. He's holding this pole. And I used to think it was on his shoulder, but now I know it's on his chin. He's balancing wow. the pole on his chin, and on top of it is a bicycle with my aunt sitting on it. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so. Incredible. Well, you've got a wonderful mural here. Yes. We had wanted something, excuse me, uh -huh. to, I had said, you know, put up some pictures to show with the people sure. how they lived and everything. So they made this whole wall. That is incredible. And it's colorized. I mean, it really and just these brings. These are all black and white. And these pictures are from the 20s. And we have some from the teens and the 50s and all. And there's. Um, and there's Bisbee's. Yes. And that's Mr. and Mrs. Bisbee in their trailer. Okay. And that's Mr. Schaffner there in his son room. He became a doctor. Oh, wow. And there's the Schaffners in their trailers. And the Sun Players, that's Mr. and Mrs. Sun there. This and is just amazing. Um, people backstage, and these are the ladies that um, was they didn't work in the daytime, so they got their suits on. They're going to the city pool. Okay. Yeah. And her son, the lady on the right in the pink, her son just wrote an article for me about they would go two, three times uh, a week. They would come backstage and put up a table and play cards. Ah, the three ladies. I'll be darned. So, yeah. Wow. So they were all, you know, they like to um, socialize a lot together. Mm -hmm. Here's they're having a, a now, dinner. And who is this, Mr. Schaffner? No, no? this is the Bisbee's. Oh, this is all yes. the Yes. Okay. Now, the Bisbee's didn't own it then. I don't think this was um, Billy Schult owned it then. Okay. And that's Mr. Schult. And that is the, the gentleman that wrote the story. That's his mom. Okay. And this is Dot and Jess' son. Those are the people in the trailer over there okay. in the blue blouse. Oh. Uh, yeah, I can pick out a lot of people there. Wow. These two brothers were twins. Okay, yeah, yeah. you can see that. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely see that. And this is, again, the same show going out. now. What year would this have been? This was in the 50s? early 50s, yeah. Yeah, I can see by the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, and there's their kids, and some of them will have their dogs and it was really a family. Oh, yeah. It was a family. And, yeah, they have their kids with them. Plus, you became a family. You're on the road together for, you know, three, four, five months. Now, I said, I told you earlier you'd have to caption this photo, the va-va-va-voom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, this, as I was telling you before, this would not have gone in, in Iowa. That would, it's a little too racy. You'd have to go Iowa. down to Arkansas or, yes, or Tennessee. Missouri or... to Tennessee, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. That's the Bible Belt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, these all these shows, they have their own territories. Like the Schaffner was Illinois. 
uh, Missouri, northern Missouri, and Iowa. And oh. that's pretty much all the, where they played. And there was other shows. They played Tennessee and Kentucky and uh, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Now, this is another Iowa show. As you see, this is her down there. She was a woman who owned her own show. Okay. She started out with her husband who passed away, but she carried the show on. Is that Hyla Morgan? Hyla Morgan. Okay. I named my cat after her. Huh. And this is her later on. Okay. Iowa show. This is another Iowa show, the George Sweet Players. He was from Storm Lake, Iowa. And we're thinking this is 1920s This or is, 30s? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is the 1920s. Wow. And then this is a little bit earlier. This is Schultz Comedians. They started in the 1880s. Wow. So. Schultz became Bisbee, right? Yeah, uh, well, Billy uh, yeah. bought the Bisbee's later. Gotcha. Okay. And um, so I want to show you this, too. Okay. Um, this is the Bisbee's. Uh, where is it? There. They had, at the end of the year, they would their last date they played every year was on a lake, and they would have a fish fry and have a picnic for all the under, all the people on their show. And this is the George Sweets. And that's, they had a big picnic for all their employees. Now, in those days, all the employees, um, they had their own working crew. The actors never set up the tent or anything like oh, that. Okay. It was only the... I bet they appreciated that. Oh, yeah. Well, they... Nobody... Especially after hearing David's story. Yeah. But, yeah. No, they would never, never put up the tent. Uh -huh. And um, now that's the George Sweet. So you can see that's really yeah. at the turn of the century. Yeah. And they lived... In the tent, the, they had living tents. I have to tell you the story about my family. And my aunt was born in 1923, and uh, my grandmother was working the concession stand. So she cleaned it all up. She was pregnant. She went back to the living tent, and she sent word that she was having the baby. Oh. So my grandfather stopped the show and said, literally, is there a doctor in the house? Ah. And there was a traveling nurse. She went in and delivered my Aunt Peggy. And my grandpa came out after, you know, at the end of the show and said, I have a new daughter. Oh, that's awesome. And announced it to the audience. Now, and, you know, if that was in modern times, someone might yell in the audience, no, but I play one on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I play <laughs> one on TV. Yeah. She grew up in the tent show, and then she eventually um, married an elephant trainer. Wow. And they used to be on the Ed Sullivan shows in the 1950s. Man, talk about showbiz. This is incredible. I mean, this is a life of real showbiz people, the lives of real showbiz and people. And these people were not part-time. They lived 12 months a year as show people. So they went all, all over the United States. And all over the United States. And most of these people could do everything. They could act. But they also could sing or dance or do other stuff. Mrs. Shafter would always say, we're not actors, we're entertainers. Got and it. you would go on a show and they would need something. To, I can do that. So because you always needed to keep working. Because there was no unemployment. There was no, you had to keep working. Right. So. right. Well, that's awesome. Now, since we're here, David, our next segment, I'd like you to tell us about this really cool light. Yes, he knows all about this. A spotlight. We've got a spotlight? We have a spotlight, and it would be in a, in a case like this because it had to be uh, vented to outside because of the heat. Okay. Now, this is a carbon arc. Uh, and this is Like what, a welder. It's, it's just like a welder. And this arc, this carbon arc, would go down inside this little gadget here, 
and they would light it, and it would burn, burn, So burn you got hot. smoke coming in and out of it? Yes. Yeah. But the, the light would come through this lens, and there would be a very pale green tinge to that light. And that's where the phrase comes in, I'm working in the limelight. Wow. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. That so, is um, cool. This one is such a bulky thing. I don't know where it came from. But, but it's the same thing. It's a, it's a spotlight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but it also would be carbon, but oh, yeah. it, this one is from a different lighting. It doesn't fit in here. I but see. This, you see you, they have a... Yeah, that's why uh, it's there. So yeah, a uh, chimney because it got so hot. Yeah. You have to be connected yeah. to a chimney. And they have to use asbestos gloves to change mm. all this. And that had to be changed often. Oh, I oh, bet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, and it was hot. Oh. Yeah. And this That's is, why there were so many fires. Wow. This is the original power board for the tent show. Oh, wow. Get a little closer. Okay, we're going to get a little closer to that. Look at that. It's kind of dangerous. It's very old fashioned. Well, that was way before OSHA. Yeah, for sure. Well, my husband, when he bought the show in 62, they were still using that. And he, he got rid of it as soon as he could. But his nephew was working the lights, and he touched one thing and touched the other thing, and electricity went right through his arm. Wow, he became the conduit, Yeah, huh? he, yeah he was He's okay good. after that? Yeah, I just put some dirt on and kept going. There you go. I thought maybe you were going to tell me he got superpowers and he now runs real fast. <laughs> no, 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 I think he got slower. Oh. When I was on the circus, we had an elephant. And they, we, I forgot the lot we were in somewhere here in Iowa, and they were drilling in the trailer where the elephant would trooped, and they were laying conduits so that they could run wiring in the, in the thing. So they had a cable from the, those box that they had, and it was sitting on the grass, uh -huh. and the, the cord with the, with the drill was in the, laying in the body or the, uh, the truck, so they had taken the elephant down to the school so that the kids could see the elephant at lunchtime. And the kids loved that elephant and the elephant loved the kids. So when they brought the elephant back and they were gonna put her in the trailer, she put her front feet in there and she was stuck because oh, no. of the electricity. Oh no. Uh -huh. And she yelled and yelled and, and finally somebody knew what it was and they unplugged it and she got off of there. And she turned and looked at me and her eyes were just like this oh yeah and she was what do i do where do i go and she took off running oh wow and she ran down and she crossed the highway and jumped the fence into the cornfield and ran i don't know where she went off but you know where she stopped it was at the school oh uh, so oh, and then they tried to get her back to the lot and get her in and uh, that wasn't <laughs> going to happen no. The elephants have good memories, yeah. too. They're that not dumb. They're, no. smart. No, they're yeah. smart. Yeah. And the other thing about that elephant, you know, everybody weighs something different. Uh -huh. So I had to get up onto the head. So, you know, they had the harness on the, the head, and there was a hand loop. And she would bring her head down and raise her knee up so I could step on the knee and get my hand in the loop and then she would throw me up there. Oh wow. She knew how hard to throw me so that I didn't end up in the next county. You are the that's you are the first person I've ever spoken to that has been thrown by an elephant <laughs> on numerous occasions. <laughs> that's yeah, incredible. She was, she was a wonderful elephant and wonderful to work with. Wow. And I'm I'm glad I had that opportunity.
I mean, how many people, I can't think of many people that I've spoken to that have worked with elephants. It's incredible. No, when my aunt worked with elephants, they, uh, she had this one elephant that was very jealous of my uncle huh. and didn't really like Peggy. And she was in the barn cleaning up and my uncle was in their trailer next to the barn taking a shower. So my aunt, so she said, it was my fault. I got too close. The elephant grabbed her and threw her to the floor. And Ooh. how elephants kill you or kill animals is they crush you with their head. Oh, my goodness. They put their forehead down on you. So this elephant put his forehead down on her chest and oh. was crushing her. Oh, my goodness. And she was screaming. But my uncle's in there taking a shower. And he turned the water off and he heard her last scream. Oh, wow. And he ran in there and pulled the elephant off. My aunt and rushed her to a hospital. She had a couple of cracked ribs and all. And uh, I always thought that was such a romantic story when I was a little girl. And it wasn't until I was much older that I realized that he would have been stock naked. And, I, <laughs> if I, and he had a mustache. If I had known that, I was not in my mind. <laughs> You're funny, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> so we, have, we should tell you about this. Yes. This is a special effects machine. Really? It's like a clockwork. There's the workings inside. Okay. And you can wind it up. in there. Yeah, and you wind it up. And this goes on the front of a spotlight. Okay. And then this screen in here goes around, and the light goes through here. And it throws a cloud. It looks like moving clouds. Oh, neat. You can put that on the back of the stage and you have a moving cloud. How cool effect. is that? You have some really neat things here. This is just incredible. Well, this is something you won't see. And this is one of the reasons why things weren't down so much in the old days. This is a torch. You really? White gasoline, which I don't really know what that is. No. It's kerosene or what. I don't what. think they even have it anymore. Yeah. yeah. But you put that in there, and it goes down here. You turn that, you light it, and you got a torch. <laughs> wow. And here's an old medicine show that was mostly outside, and, and you can see torches. they have them. Yeah. Okay. So. Wow. That's neat. <laughs> and I found this ad for it in a, in a theatrical supply. Okay. Yeah. And they call them banjo lights. They call them oh, several things. Oh, I see things, that. Why they call it a banjo yeah, light. Yeah. yeah, we call it a banjo light. Can you imagine? That's something. Wow. That's Very why cool. Things, that's why we have so many fire laws today. Yeah. Because, ordinance because all these things were burning houses and theaters yeah. down. Yeah, it's like, don't do that, folks. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't know that till after the place burned down. All right, well, we're going to go over here. Just. Oh, we didn't look at the the dressing room. Well, let's go back and look at the dressing room. Okay. okay, Grace, we were talking about the dressing room. Okay, this would have been in back of the stage. And we are clearly behind the stage mm -hmm. model. Yeah. Okay. And they would have a curtain in the middle, one side for the gentlemen, one side for the ladies. And they always had trunks and they'd have their trunks lined up. And these are original uh, dressing tables. Nice. And these are people's um, Makeup kits. Now, they didn't have fancy kits. As you can see, that's a cigar box. My mother used a shoe box for okay. her makeup. This lady had a case and she painted a picture of her doggie. Oh, that's cute. And this is all old original makeup in there. Now, was the lady's name Tanya or the doggie's name Tanya? I like to think it's the dog. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with yeah. that. And I had to put this up on exhibit because this is a lady's shoe. Holy. No bigger than my hand. 
Holy cow, <laughs> those are some tiny feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People had little feet then. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all original. Now, this is Mr. Schaffner's makeup kit. Okay. Well, that's neat. Mm -hmm. And he would make his own powder um, the colors, you know, like he was playing a Native American. Uh -huh. uh, he would make all that up himself. Wow. And, and um, Mr. Schaffner, what he would do is he would take, empty out two trucks and back them up to the back of the stage. And one truck would be for the ladies' dressing room and the other truck would be for the men's dressing room. Okay. And would you like to go on a little bit more, David, about the dressing room? Well, uh, Jimmy took the men's dressing room and he put a shower in there and a sink where we could... Fresh up? Yeah. Nice. That would be my husband. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, that was the first thing he wanted to do was to have some running water because, you know, you're out on that lot working all evening and, uh, the, you know, maybe they didn't have water. So right. he, that's what he did. And then he built the shower. Now, the guys on the show would sleep on the stage. Really? Well, the young guys. Well, the guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you bring your own cot and your own stuff and go to bed and get up in the next morning and start all over. And the older people had their own trailers and all uh -huh. that and kind of And the ladies stuff. usually went to the hotel. Okay. Yeah. okay. Now, they had these trunks. I always wanted one when I was a kid. My mother never had one because they didn't travel by train or by truck. We traveled by car by then, so she used suitcases. But... These are just so wonderful because they're, your clothes are hung. These are yeah. like drawers. Yeah. You never have to unpack, really. Right. Everything is nice and neat, and they come down and close up, and they just go in the truck. Now, or if you're it, traveling by train. For, for back in the day, were those very expensive? Um, you know, you could you could get. This is an expensive one. I would that think. That so. is a cheaper one. But you can see the difference in the quality. Yeah. 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 And there was a company that uh, was, uh, I guess it was in New York, it was the Taylor Trunk Company. And mm -hmm. their motto was, you're not an actor until you have a Taylor trunk. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, when my husband joined the show, when he was just out of high school, Mrs. Schaffner said to him, go down to... Th Go down to the good uh, to Salvation Army and get a trunk, which he did, and I still have it. <laughs> but was it a tailor? No, but it was. It was a <laughs> cheap little trunk, but he got it for like I don't know, ten, fifteen dollars. Uh -huh. And now you know, some, a good one like this—that's uh -huh. a lot of money. Oh yeah. Today, if you can find one. Oh yeah. 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 Now around the corner here, Diamond Die Drops Park scene. That's this piece here. That's this. David, tell us more about well, this. Well, this is Jesse Cox. A, a portion of the show business. Um, he was the scene painter, and he would take the diamond dye and put them, the colors in his pots, and he would mix them with glue. And on this little stove down here, he would heat it up and get the consistency he wanted, and he would cut the bristles off of the brushes and go to work. Wow. And his compass and his uh, straight sticks and T-bars and all this stuff. He was a very talented man, multi-talented. Uh, he was an actor and a musician. And No, his family worked. gave us all of his, from yeah. his work. He was in Esterville, Iowa. He had his workshop up there. He sold his scenery 
all over the United States. Wow. And he did beautiful work. This is at least 80 years old and can see the vibrant colors. That is also his work. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and what was nice about it, because, you know, most of the curtains in the old days were painted on canvas and they would crack and peel. Mm -hmm. But being on linen and painted with dye, yeah. you could just fold it up and put it in that suitcase. Wow. Now, David, can you explain what diamond dye is? Well, diamond dye was a product for women who wanted to dye their shoes or dye their clothes to another color. Okay. You know, Rit Dye? Oh, yes. Well, it was just another company. Okay, okay. That was the company in the day, Diamond. And okay. And Diamond, and then Rit is, you know, what we know. Sure. Yeah. And this That's is all his, I'm sorry, this is all his paintbrushes and different boxes of dye. Wow. It's the real deal. Now, this is his makeup kit. <laughs> A little tin box. I'll be darned. And like we said, he was a musician, and he was a, played the accordion, and he was left-handed. So this is our left-handed accordion. Aha. Uh -huh. Which you don't see very many of those. And he probably didn't have any use for one of those player accordions. No, he could. <laughs> I guess he could play it himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is really cool. And that's also his sousaphone. Wow. So talented. He, he and his brother published a magazine or a newsletter for op people that owned opera houses that had the routes and all the information you'd need if you owned an opera house. And then when his business started dying out, when live show business started cutting back, he started making neon signs in his shop. Very cool. And they say in Esterville, you can still see his neon signs up in town. So he was always current, changed with the I times. I call him a renaissance man. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. This is how some of the shows were advertised. They would have the, the cast mm -hmm. fold these papers and take them to the post office to deliver them to the rural countryside people. Okay. And... Um, um, these were called heralds, and, and this is exactly how they advertised. Wow. Susie Slick from Buzzard Creek. Mm -hmm. A hillbilly, co hillbilly comedy that will rock you more than rock and roll. You pronounced that wrong. What I... It's Susie Slick from Buzzard Creek. Oh, okay. <laughs> well... See? <laughs> it all depends on which side of the creek or the creek you were born on. But it's <laughs> Yes, you're right. You're right. Oh, Susie Slick from Buzzard Creek. I like it. I like it. Now, the Cowboy Sweet, uh -huh. these people were from up like Wisconsin and Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, they probably got some uh, folks from Swedesburg to come down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Or go up. Or go up, yeah. yeah. Now, this is another uh, Hazel Cash. She was from Iowa, but another lady who owned a show on her own. Okay. Mm -hmm. She was a character. Yes, David knew her. You knew her. Tell us something about her. Uh, well, when, when I knew her, she had already retired from the business, and they put her on the, the Tilton show to be on the front end of the tent so that she could greet the people that she knew when she had her show. Okay. For a little publicity. Sure. And, um, but she was a character. I mean, she was, she had a finger that was missing an, a, a, a thing here. Uh-huh. 
fingertip. Yeah, she she hopped a, a freight train, and when she did, the something happened and the door shut. Oh, and it got her finger. Well. Yeah. So she was. She was. She enjoyed that because that was part of her character. Oh yeah. But see, she came from a very wealthy father family. Her father had banks and train uh, and railroads. I, and I'm sure he so, just really appreciated yeah, he her hopping on the train like that. He didn't mind her tent show though, because he helped finance it. Oh, okay. But she would go into town, right, David? And she would go into town in a big convertible. And she had Russian wolfhound dogs. Wow. And she would come out, get out of the car, pull up to the hotel, get out of the car with her Russian wolfhound all dressed. And we have her cane. She has a jewel-encrusted cane that she would walk yeah. around with. And, and that's, a big entrance like a movie star. And that's what people love about showbiz oh, yeah. people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she played it up good. That's, well, yes, and, and she, when she had that stick, she wore these pleated skirts that would... You know, they could just, she could kick up the, a storm. And this walking stick, she it was it was a tall stick, mm -hmm. and she could kick her leg up over that thing. Wow! And that was a part of her show business tricks too. Mm -hmm. Now, just imagine if you got a chance to tell Anthony Hopkins about Hazel Cass, he, <laughs> he would have got he would have appreciated well, her. He would have. Yeah. Yes, yes, he would. Yeah. Now, um. We have a photograph of when her daughter married. Her daughter got married on stage, and they had the whole stage covered in flowers wow. for a stage wedding. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, this is this is just incredible. I on a fascination scale, I'm already up to five <laughs> fascinations at least. It's fascinating stuff here. This is another front curtain. Oh, yeah. Some Solon, also dated 1918. Now, just think on their return on investment on this advertising. Yeah, really? They're still getting advertising in 2023. Yeah, they probably paid $10, $5, and yeah. <laughs> it lasted them 100 years. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> Solon Drug Company. There you go. Kodak Books, Drugs, Sundries. My goodness. How about an embalmer? You need one yeah. of those in town. Oh, yeah. And F.J. Bittner Ford, sales and service. There's a shout out. Look now, at all this. Now, we had somebody come through here who's um, from that area, and he said he still remembers those some of those names, uh -huh. those people. You know, they don't have the same businesses anymore, but this people, some of the people Family's are still, still there. there. Yeah. Descendants are still there. Yeah, this is wonderful. Right in front of us now is the billboard. Grace, tell us the significance of the billboard. Well, a lot of your listeners might know that Billboard magazine uh, is in with the music business. Sure. You can hear the top 10 music, you know, on the Billboard list. Mm -hmm. Originally, it was put out by a company, a printer company that made lithographs and made the, the pay, uh, paper that would go out advertising. You know, they'd have them on the side of buildings, on the side of barns. Mm -hmm. Well, they had hundreds of companies like that and they had hundreds of guys that would go out and put that stuff up so they started a newsletter in the 1890s and so that but then they started making uh put more and more news and gossip and all kinds of stuff and it became a magazine for outdoor show people primarily eventually they got more this is from their page uh 1925 in the rep rep business that was for the tent show sure and as you can see they have all kinds of um this is a the showboat wants people uh this guy is selling his tent show uh this is where you could buy tickets 
for your print in another show printing. So this and is like the showbiz one ads. Exactly. The sweet players, sweet chills. We talked about him in the back. Mm -hmm. uh, he's looking for actors and such. There's where you could, a company where you could rent your plays from. So this is the whole... All part of Unity Play Company. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. in New York City. Yeah. And if you want, everybody, of course, wrote letters, and you had to have a fancy uh, letterhead, letterhead so you could get, get it done. Now, the billboard was so popular, it had one page that was called Final Curtain, and they had all the obituaries. Oh. They had a page for weddings. My grandparents' wedding is on there. My parents' wedding, a lot of my aunts and uncles. They had a birth announcements, my birth, my sisters, my all my aunts and uncles, and my mom. So your birth was in billboards? Yes, my birth is in billboards. Nice. Um, actually, in the early days, they actually had a section for divorces. Can you imagine Oh, that? be darn. Uh, which always surprises me, because back then, a divorce was a real scandal. Well, but, you know, showbiz people, they're yeah, a little... Yeah, well, you know, yeah. what you can expect. <laughs> but one of their biggest attraction was, is you could get your mail through the billboard. Interesting. Because you're always traveling, so how are you going to get your mail? Right. So you're in Mount Pleasant this week, and somebody writes to you. They write to you, uh, or to me, Grace Davis, care of the billboard, Cincinnati, Ohio. That was their main office. Now they're in Nashville, but it was Cincinnati for many years. They would get the letter, and in the next issue, they put your name in the list. And you would check the list each week. And then you'd see your name, you'd write to them and say, well, I'm in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, until the 15th to send my mail here. And uh, they would. Wow. All free. All free. All free. That's incredible. That's all. And when I was a kid, anybody would ask me, because we always traveled. We never had a home. We lived in a trailer. And they, anybody would ask me, I'd say, oh, care of the billboard, Cincinnati, Ohio. And that was before zip codes. So wow. that's all you needed. Isn't that something? Now, did you ever participate in the billboard, David? No, I didn't, but I had, uh, we used uh, general delivery mail, mm -hmm. which would, uh, they knew you're going to be in, say, Mount Pleasant. And so they would send it to the Mount Pleasant general delivery. And you would go to the post office and say you were so-and-so, and they would give you your mail. Well, that would be the same thing if uh, the billboard would send you your mail. They uh -huh. send it to Mount Pleasant and say, Grace Davis, a care of Jones Delivery, Mount Pleasant, Iowa. And that's, I mean, you'd get your mail like that. that but, I mean, they'd have a whole page, maybe two pages of, of they had hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people who got their mail that way. It's incredible. Yeah. And it all worked. It worked. It worked perfectly. It worked perfectly. Wow. And now, now the kids today, they're all using email. Yeah. I mean, you wonder sometimes how we're going to have history if it's all on email and not letters. That's a very important yeah. thought yeah. for sure. I have to tell you one thing about when I told you we lived in a trailer mm -hmm. and we're talking about Lucille Ball once. Yeah. Right did you ever see a movie she did called The Long, Long Trailer? Was that with Desi Arnaz? Yes. Yeah, and yes. they were on like a honeymoon or something? Yes, yeah. they had a trailer. That's the trailer we had. Really? It was called A New Moon. Only ours was bigger because we had a bedroom in the middle with bunk beds for my sister and I. Wow. And that's 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 my home. That is that is really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> another another reference for IMDB. What was the name of that movie again? Oh, the long long trailer. There you go. Look mm -hmm. it up, folks. That's fun. Ours was black, not yellow. Okay. Grace and David, thank you so much for showing the viewers and myself uh, 
this wonderful theater museum in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, on Southeast Iowa today. Just uh, a final thought from the two of you. Grace, what does the museum mean to you? And uh, just let people know that. And David, same, same thing for you. Well, um, to me, of course, since I also, as David, I have a long history. It's the history of my family and how we lived. But I think it also shows people a part that they don't realize was there. So many people got their entertainment this way. And it's such a part of American history. And they don't teach it in college. They don't teach it in theater arts. Uh, they don't write books about it. Or we have some books. But uh, it's really something that can't be uh, forgotten. And it's an awful lot of fun. David? Well, I had a great time doing the tent shows. And I think people should at least come and, and see what it's all about and think about it. Think about what we went through and how we entertained and how we should come back to this in some way or another. And um, it's, it's just a great, great, great feeling to be a part of this museum. Well. It's great uh, today. I I just have a great pleasure of you folks giving me this special tour and, and my audience this special tour, and it, it's uh, opened up a new light for me on, on a topic, and it's really incredible. And I thank you both for your well. Thank time. you for coming. It's thank been you. great having you and here. Thank you, your friend, for making the contact. Yeah, and my friend is Bob Dewitt. He and his wife Norma, <coughs> they were here a while back. They're from Galesburg, Illinois, and today is July 28th, 2023, and it's their anniversary. Oh, oh happy anniversary. Yeah, so happy anniversary, Bob and Norma. <laughs> Thanks to Grace Davis and David Wagaman from the Theater Museum of Mount Pleasant, Iowa. That was a wonderful tour. And also thanks to our sponsors, Car Doctor, Griner Auto Body, Wayland State Bank, Buckwalder Motors, McDonald Boneyard, Hinshaw Trailer Cells, Girling Repair, B&B Propane, and the family of Jet Stops. I'm your host, John Bain. Stay friendly, Southeast Iowa.